thought about integrity in a while. Yeah, I think about integrity, but to be honest, integrity and authenticity sort of cloud together in my mind, and and I get a little hung up on what the the difference or what the specific definitions are. What what does integrity mean to you? And more than that, like what's going on in the world today that's making you question integrity? You know, for me, it's I kind of built my career around integrity of food. I made everything from scratch for the first. 30 years of my career because you said you were going to make everything from scratch or that was a, a moral a, opinion that you had about how food should be made. It was an expectation of how I marketed myself to other people as a line cook where I went to work. And then what I did when I opened my own company, so it was um, an expectation whether it made sense here or there. Sometimes it didn't make sense, but I still stuck to it. So I identified myself. So you identified yourself, but would that not be more in line with like what you decided your authentic self would be that identity is a degree of authenticity or not where the integrity is sort of a um, staying true to some sort of irreducible value. Yeah. I think you're trying to stay true to something that you believe that is better than others. And in my professional career, I could hold on to that. I think there's a little bit of this too. I could hold on to this in my professional career and label myself as a man of integrity, even if my personal life was turned upside down and I didn't have any integrity in it. And there's a lot of things in my personal life that there wasn't a lot of integrity in. So, so you're saying that at certain points in your life, you felt like you had integrity at certain points. You felt like you had less integrity. No, I, I felt because I had professional food integrity that that overrode everything else. I, that was, that was how I identified myself. And then once I sacrificed my integrity in food, everything else came to light. And I think as a society that so many people and society have made these compromises against their integrity or against their ethics or authenticity that because you wanted to keep up with the person next to you, you did something you didn't think you would do. You crossed a line of something you wouldn't cross before because other people are crossing it at this rapid rate. So you did it too. And then by the time you got to where you were broken down because of it and you questioned it, you didn't know how you got there. Do you think that, a, a person is allowed to change or to grow or do you think the person is just the person going through whatever they're going through at the time and, I, and, and that's sort of a convoluted question but the reason i'm asking is like if you can change would your morals change would your values change and if your decision making and actions followed those changed values would you still have integrity or is integrity something beyond the the personal description of yourself integrity is what lives in between your ethical boundaries to your left you only go this far and there's a line in the sand to your right that's only this far and those can adapt throughout your life is what you learn i think that's what you're getting to i think yes. those can change but the core of how you identify yourself because you write the narratives of who you are to yourself and convince yourself and you you know you can do something wrong and convince yourself it wasn't so wrong like everybody can kind of do that sure to fit their integrity where it's at the thing is when it blows up in your face, when you cross a line you should have never crossed, and then you start looking at everything in your life, did you have integrity? It starts getting magnified as that you didn't, you never did. And you start questioning who you are as a man and how you identify yourself. 
The biggest thing on my mind right now, though, is that at Rise, we're getting ready to stop doing donuts with the corporate stores. And this is something that I've been working on for a couple of years, and really it's something that uh, I made so many compromises with over the years. When I Compromises by keeping the donuts? By keeping them and trying to simplify it so other people could do it. And, you know, I'm, I have a fairly high opinion of myself, but I have a lot higher opinion of myself as far as a cook after going through what I've gone through. Because I was able to do the donuts when I owned my own store. I was able to motivate people to do the donuts right. When I was, you were you were in the front, you were in the line with them. When I owned the store, I still had a manager who ran the store, but I was able to make sure that they were doing them right in the store. And I was able to make sure that we weren't selling <laughs> Once we started franchising, man, it was out of control. It was I, just I, a I scale thing, like there were too many stores, too it many It was like people. herding cats. Yeah. You know, it was... I don't even know if it may have just been one extra store. I couldn't do it in the first fr- store we franchised. You know, you're trying to show your expectations and your level of quality to somebody else and to have them achieve that. And they don't have that. So then I simplified and then that didn't work and we had more stores and then I simplified again and I kept moving that line in the sand closer and closer and closer to my integrity until we were doing frozen donuts and we were using products to put on tile. We are right now, but we're stopping that. I'm done. I think that that over the last few years with all this, I've been through and that you've heard me talk about on this podcast or in the open is started at one place and it started when I compromised my integrity. Time to make the donuts. Thousands of donuts all the same like people destined to be chewed up, pooped out and forgotten. (laughs) Cut! Mike, we're going to need to go way lighter there, okay? A lot of people keep score with the amount of zeros at the end of their bank account, right? Like the the higher that is, the better you're doing in life. But you know, and I know that as business owners, the, the people can be assets to your company or they can be liabilities. But if they're going to be assets, you got to take care of them. And sometimes that involves maintaining a level of integrity in terms of how you're taking care of your people so that they take care of the business and they put out the quality like you're talking about. And it's a balance too, you know. I'm sure you've gone through it. You know, where there's certain things you do at your business you don't really want to do there, but you got to do it because it pays the bills or it makes you a little bit more money. And it's this balancing act, right? But until you cross, I mean, and that works, you know, that's how it was for 30 years, basically, it's the balancing that. And some people would call you out. Like, I met this chef a couple months ago, and he said his younger self would call him a shoemaker because of the compromises he made to run a business. There's that, and that's totally unacceptable acceptable but then there's the big sellout the big one that you do and that for me was franchising and then compromising my food integrity inside of there those were bad decisions based off the wrong motivational stuff before i got so much out of just being looked up at in my industry i don't feel that anymore you feel like you're not looked at because you started using pre-made products yeah, I had, um, I posted on Facebook, had a picture of me on the donut tour that I did before I opened Rise. It was like after seven days eating donuts and I posted there and said, now I'm finally getting rid of donuts. And the kid, the kid, he's not kidding, he's my age, the guy who responded right off the bat was a guy I went to culinary school with. And he goes, I'm not saying that you ever sold out, but it sounds like you're, you're getting it back. And he was right. You know, I don't. I know that when I look at people in the face, they don't look at me the same. 
there's lines you could cross in your business where the people who look so up to you will stop looking up to you. In martial arts, your integrity and your authenticity is always challenged. You get people that are, we call them keyboard warriors, but people out on the internet that will say that you run a McDojo or you run a uh, black belt factory school. And we we have a um, sort of a funny line we have to follow at our dojo because we our, our tagline, our slogan is unleash your potential. And, and everybody's potential is unique. So we have to make allowances and accommodations for what people are going to be able to do. But we also have to have a uh, standard of knowledge and skill that we hold people to before we advance them in their degrees and belts we started offering fitness kickboxing classes right about the time that tai bo was popular and that sort of dates me as a uh, person here but if you remember billy blanks and tai bo everybody was doing it they were doing it at the rec center they were doing it as part of the pe classes at the high school i went to but we started these fitness kickboxing classes kind of out of the pressure of it was expected to do it. It was it was a sellout all moment. A little bit of time into it, I found an opportunity to transition it into a class that like, I would be proud of, right? Like it, I I took a little bit of um, personal ownership, and I was like, if I'm stuck here doing this silly workout class, let me make it a workout class that's not silly. Let me make it something that's cool for me. So that was sort of a way I tried to take an issue where integrity. I was questioning my own integrity. It was sort of the problem. And could I find a solution by transitioning, transmuting it into something else? There's a point in my career where you talk about the people who are calling in, what do you call them? Uh, or who are trolling? What do you say they are? Keyboard warriors. There's a point where I was growing up where once I started my own company, I really felt bad for how hard I was on the chefs that I worked for. I remember Scott... He did a dish that was beet risotto with grilled scallops and grilled romaine. It was like green, red, and white, and I called it Depeche Mode food. And it, it just stuck, and I was just like kind of brutal to him about that. And anyways, once I had my own company and I realized how hard it was to balance all these different things, I called every one of the chefs I worked for and apologized. And that was a, a, a huge like moment of almost like going to confession and feeling really bad for judging other people for what they have to make the changes they have to make but that single moment of calling that person and apologizing probably helped define like what other people would say whether or not you had integrity or even define like your legacy in their mind you made a really good point Amigo. you said everybody has different potential and these different chefs did different stuff in their potential right but they never crossed their integrity that they projected upon me in the way that i did with donuts in the way that i projected my integrity and that's kind of the, that's, that's something to really be thought about in this, your own, you know, doing the best you can do and doing what you do or what your integrity line is, how you draw that out to be. I mean, I think you just, you just hit the nail on the head. I, I think quite often that when somebody does something that disappoints me, I think they're just doing the best they can. So I'm getting ready to, in about two weeks, go back to managing a store, a new one that we're taking over. Um, and redefine my integrity, redefine who I am, rediscover it. One thing that strikes me specifically important about integrity is how fragile it really is and how quickly you can fall out of it or you can you can show that you don't have any. I remember when I was about 15, 16 years old, I hadn't been 15 because I couldn't drive yet. 
I took a job with a buddy of mine's dad who was a tobacco farmer, and I've been cropping tobacco for a couple of years as a kid. And this old farmer would show up at my house about 6 a.m. every day to pick me up, to take me out to the field, and we'd start working. Well, 6 a.m. showed up one day, and I don't, I don't even remember what I did the night before, but I remember waking up and thinking, I'll just go out and tell the farmer, like, hey, I'm too tired to work today, and, you know, I'll pick it back up tomorrow. My parents weren't up. They wouldn't know that I said anything. I could even tell them, like, oh, he didn't show up to pick me up or whatever. So he just said, he raised his eyebrows and was like, oh, okay, sort of shook his head, yeah, and um, backed out of the driveway and headed on, and I went back in the house and went back to bed. So the next day I got up and went out to the uh, front and sort of waited for him to show up, and he didn't show up. And not completely unheard of. There's different reasons you don't work different days and stuff, so that was fine. So I got up the next day and went out. And he didn't show up. And by that point, I knew, like, that one moment, that one lapse in, like, my integrity. I told this man I would be there. I was ready to work for him in exchange for, you know, what he was going to pay me. And, like, I, I made him question all that. And it took that it took that one failure, that one opportunity where I didn't do my best, where he just wrote me off and was done. You can spend your lifetime building your integrity. And then one mistake can be gone in the eyes of another person. Well, speaking of integrity, like how does, how does integrity come in when you're talking about birding? Birding is based around integrity. It's an honest honor system. And, um, you know, you just take everybody else's word for it. You don't question it. Now you go above and beyond because you, you're taking pictures and you're documenting what you're doing. But not everybody does that. I I do, and I, you know, I think this is a a weird thing in my head of feeling like I don't want people to question me. I think I always had this quote: "Don't underestimate the easily underestimatable." And that was because I think people underestimated and didn't think I could do some of the things I did, and think I was, you know, could make it. You're talking about more than birding right now. Yeah, and I think people question this forever, what you could accomplish in birding. I'm even, it's just carried over. I didn't think people think I could make an arrangement. I didn't think people thought I could do my own business. I don't think people thought I could take it to the levels I have. I don't think they thought I could learn to bird really quick and really be hard-headed enough to chase these birds. Were you being so, hard-headed in your pursuit of success? Are you proving it to them or are you proving it to yourself? Man, I think what I'm, through this conversation today, I think what a lot of it is is, I'm trying to compensate for what I don't have integrity in. So that hammock that I uh, sleep in is called a Hennessy hammock. And this company has been around for over a decade. Um, I remember one of my buddies showing it to me over a decade ago and I ordered it for a camping trip that I had coming up. And unfortunately the hammock never showed up. Now this was before the days that I would have gotten online or I'm sure I called in and order. I probably f- saw their ad in the back of a backpacker magazine or something like that. But I ordered the hammock. It never showed up. I went on my camping trip and, and bought like a pretty inexpensive net hammock and a plastic painter start from Walmart or something and, and, and had an okay time. But I was sold on the idea of sleeping in a hammock and hammock camping. So I came back and I called them and James Hennessy, the owner of this Hennessy hammock company was the man that answered the phone and he was mortified that, you know, his company with his name on it failed to fulfill an order and I didn't have it for my camping trip. So he went ahead and, and like expressed me one 
uh, at no charge, completely refunded my money. And I had that sort of free hammock and slept in it for over a decade. I had it for 10 years and loved it. No damage, no wear, no problems with it. So it was made really well. I let a little kid sleep in it at one of our camp out events. You know, I had it set up and I had my tent beside it and he wanted to sleep in it. And he slept in it and he wanted to pee in it. So I was like, hey, buddy, you can keep that one. So, you know, he got a new hammock out of the deal. And I went and ordered my second Hennessy hammock. The order was fulfilled, no problem. But what was cool is as I was asking questions about it, it was James Hennessy again answering the questions. He was the one responding to my email, making sure I knew what I was ordering and which one was right because they had, you know, expanded their product line at that point. So just from my direct interactions with the owner of the company, the way they took a mistake and made it right, the way they stood behind their products, the way the product was made, I want to say that those guys have a lot of integrity. Right. Yeah, that's, I would like to be looked upon like that. Hey, Tom, why don't you hit us with a bird of the day? Today's bird of the day is the golden eagle. So I want to give you a little backstory to this. Recently, I went on a trip to Utah and Washington State, and I planned on doing all this hardcore birding, but I ended up visiting with three friends from my past and uh, taking them birding, each, each one of them for the first time. In Utah, it was with my friend Ted, who him and I cooked together at a restaurant in 97, and he was a pastry chef and I was a line cook, and we became really good friends over a short amount of time. And we both gone in our careers different ways and we both were a little apprehensive towards the other one because we were a little nervous about some of the compromises that we made. Um, but we ended up spending a few days together and it was really good. And I was teaching Ted how to bird and we went out to his family's ranch that was North of Salt Lake. And there were only a couple of birds. He's like, oh, there's a ton of birds out there. We got there. Well, there's some barn sparrows and there's some metal larks, but that was about all we saw. I'm like, there's no birds out here on the second day he was starting to think about becoming a birder a little bit i was showing him how much it helped me we drove out and he spotted his first bird he's like hey what's that right there pull over we got the binoculars out and it was a freaking golden eagle it's ted's first bird this is his official first bird for birding is the golden eagle that's quite auspicious and it's right around my 300th bird so anyways birding magazine is going to do a small little little segment and talk about Ted's first bird. That's awesome, man. So Ted can say he went with me. And so even if we had made some compromises in our careers, uh, he got a really badass start as a birder seeing the golden eagle. What's your total bird number right now? Uh, I kind of ashamed to say it right now. I don't know. 311. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your place in the bird rankings? I don't even know right now. You know, I've been so more focused on work right now than I really have in birding. But migration just started, so I plan on getting back out there. Tom, why are you embarrassed about 311 birds? That seems like a lot of birds to me. My goal was 500. By this point or at? By the end of the year. By the end of the year. I won't get 500. That's a little ambitious, man. Is, is 500 a lot for your rookie year? I'm Tom Ferguson, though. 311 is not a enough. If you're feeling down and out. So today's inspiration is a um, sort of a reminder that we know what's right. You, you, you know where your integrity lies. You know what your best is. We should, we should all be doing our best. And this quote is from Marcus Aurelius. And the quote is, if it's not right, don't do it. And if it's not true, don't say it. Thank you.
people need to tell you when you shave your beard, oh, you look so much better without your beard. What, you look like forever? You really, even people you hadn't seen in like 20-something years want to come out and tell you how much better you look without a Yo, I'm 55 years old now. I turned 55 last week. I don't really, I'm, I'm married. I got kids. I'm not a player. I don't really care. So if anybody's out there listening that told me, you look so much better without a beard, I don't care. Save it for someone who does.